everybody to the student ministry for parents podcast we're back again we're back again with a new series and we've got several weeks planned out actually and this is the beginning of it john's really kind to say we he has it planned out <laughs> oh you've got a plan in your head i'm here yeah the spirit will reveal to you the plan <laughs> when it when it comes up you know that's generous but yeah. thank you yeah <laughs> If you guys don't know how we do this is I write out an outline and then Susan shows up and then we talk about the outline that I wrote. That is very true. Someone asked me about that this week and I was like, I never know what's coming. Yeah. We just (laughs) heavily rely on Susan's experience and wisdom, like general wisdom to just, you know. I was about to say the exact opposite. I was about to say if I ever sound ignorant, that's why. Because I don't know what's about to happen. Lying blind. We want this podcast to feel real. um, As if you are a parent coming up to us and asking us a question, uh, which will be um, a series later on, not right now, but later on is common questions. Yeah, so we'll do that later in the fall. But right now we are starting a new short series, four episode series on bored to death. uh, Which so good. Yeah, which is um, a class that I taught at RYM, Florida, for teenagers on the fact that our boredom can lead us to our physical death mm. and our spiritual death. That's scary. Yeah. I've done, I don't know, um, quite a bit of research on this. And not like so much so that I could write a dissertation, but <laughs> enough to write a pretty thorough <laughs> blog post. I could at least put something on Twitter. <laughs> yes. So I've, I've done a little bit of research, probably more than most, with, with this idea in mind. And the, the, whole, the whole process is really trying to get us to think that our boredom leads us to become distracted, mm. which leads us to some form of death, whether that's spiritual or physical. And I, I mean like a physical death, just like, you know, even... Mm, Teenagers and even adults become bored while they're driving, which is why they end up texting and driving, which will inevitably lead to somebody's physical death. Mm. And we're pairing this with the the thought that uh, the overwhelming theme of Scripture is that humanity became distracted with the temptation of the evil one and followed the pursuits of Satan and were distracted away from God's plan, which led to a spiritual death. And that's where we kind of live in in the world and in society. And there's this plan that's put before us, which is God's plan for us and his will, which is through Jesus. Uh, But along our lifetime, we become distracted and we fall off that path. So you probably, if you spend enough time in church, you know, you talk about the crooked path or, you know, um, straying away, whatever it may be, we've become distracted and we need to be pulled back onto the path that God has put before us. So I don't want to overwhelm and use a ton of Christianese to kind of find those connections, but that's that's kind of the whole gist and in, in what mm-hmm. kind of, what's the word I'm thinking of? Motivated? Sure. No. Inspired. There you go. Yes. That's what, <laughs> Found ins- it. That's what inspired uh, this class which is now inspiring this mm. podcast series and we've we've talked a lot about some of the content that we're going to go over 
in a previous episode on the the, the two realities uh, that teenagers live in two realities at once, the physical reality and the virtual reality, and what are the uh, effects of that. So this is more of the content that led up to that episode. So this is to really break it down. Like, how did we come to those conclusions? What's the research behind it? And really getting into it. And we want to do this right now because we are headed into a, a more distracted stage of life than most of this generation has experienced. They're going to be living virtually in school. There's a huge pandemic going on. There's a whole ton of issues with social justice. There's a whole ton of issues with student loans that is at the the front of the news. There's just endless amounts of tragedy, things to just be distracted from, you know, God's plan. A lot Uh, of noise. There's a lot of noise going on. So we really want to slow down and talk about distraction very closely and navigate through some scientific research, but um, also using scripture as our, our navigator, as our compass to show like, God noticed this about us, and mm-hmm. he continually puts beacons, and he continually grants us his Savior for us so that we can be pulled back um, and become less distracted as we grow in our faith. This sounds fascinating. One reason is because I think when you said we're going to talk about boredom, is boredom, and maybe even distraction sounds pretty benign, you know, like on a surface level, like if you're, if you're not going deep in it, it's like, again, we have little kids and there's more research coming out now of like kids don't know how to be bored anymore. And like yeah. that feels like a benign topic, but to realize that continuing on in that path actually has humongous consequences for you. Like you were saying, physical and spiritual death, those are not benign yeah. outcomes. So right. Not at all. I'm intrigued. Yeah. Yeah, so there's a lot of little things we can talk about, and we will talk about. Um, But I want to give everybody an overview of where we're headed. In this episode, we're really going to talk about how boredom and a few other things, there's really four leading things that lead us to become distracted, which are also four leading things, mostly for teenagers. They are the worst at it, Mm. um, that lead to their distraction, which can lead to to their death. So distraction leads us away from the life we can find in Jesus. That's today's episode. Mm. Where we're headed is we lack the ability to stay focused long enough on not just the right thing, but on anything. Uh, What does the science tell us about that issue? Then we will head into what do we need to do about it? Uh, We need to think, limit, decrease boredom, and reduce anxiety. So we'll get heavy into the anxiety stuff in episode three. And then the last episode in the series will, why do we need to do it? Like, why is this important? And that one will be really, really heavy on Scripture. What does uh, Scripture teach us and tell us to do with our distractions? We'll, we'll interweave that throughout all these episodes, but we'll really hit that hard on the last one. So, all right. That's great. Without further ado. This is, like I said, a ton of research, a, a ton of research for a youth worker, um, which means like, 
four That's or five. That's a lot. <laughs> four or five books. That's um, a ton. And I've mentioned most of these in previous episodes. They've been really helpful. But the biggest one that was a huge piece of this was something called The Distracted Mind, Ancient Brains in a High-Tech World. So we, our brains have been relatively the same, but now we're getting everything is being affected by the fact that technology is at a whole new level. Mm-hmm. I also read a book and really processed it um, with this content in mind is How Attention Works. Really fascinating read. That one's much easier to read and much shorter. Uh, finding Your Way in a World Full of Distraction. And that's from the perspective, um, not from an American perspective. I think it was written by maybe a, like a German or Swiss perspective. So... So that was really interesting. Still Bored in a Culture of in- Entertainment by Richard Winter. I'm sure a lot of people have at least heard of that one. Uh, that's a really good one from a counselor's perspective. Brainstorm, we've mentioned tons of time. Dan Siegel, uh, The Power and Purpose of the Teenage Brain. Free to Focus, which is kind of a self-help book, um, which was really interesting, like how to come back to it. And then I used Far as the Curse is Found, which is another Covenant seminary professor the covenant story of redemption. It's a great book. Yeah, it's really awesome. If you really want to get thick into the themes of scripture, that's a really relatively small book for what it's trying to mm-hmm. portray. So, after reading all that, after praying, after being immersed in scripture, I have a a few things that really stuck out to me. And these are just kind of overview that I think are helpful to think about as we head in. Number 1, video games are actually pretty helpful. Uh, really? Yeah. That's going to be really helpful for some of our teachers. Yeah. Uh, I, when, <laughs> I, when I taught the class, uh, there, were like, yes! there was like 100, 150 <laughs> students in there, and they all cheered. They were just pumped. <laughs> I didn't say that video games are the end-all, be-all. I just said they can be helpful. Mm. I cannot wait to hear what you're going to say, because as someone who did not grow up on video games, I always feel torn. Yeah. Because I live with little boys who already love Mario Kart. Yeah, I'm not a huge gamer, um, mostly because I'm terrible at video games. Mm. We stick to what we're good at, and I was never good at them. So I like playing video games, um, but I'm just bad at them. We'll talk about more more of that in the second episode of the series. Smartphones, this is my own Mm. thing. Uh, Smartphones should be destroyed. Yes. Most of the research out there has really, most of it hasn't been good of what smartphones have provided for us. I'm not talking about the internet, and I'm not talking about cell phones. I'm talking Mm. about the actual brick that we put in our pocket called a smartphone. The combination of the internet and the cell phone together is, many parents have heard me say, is the root of all evil. But (laughs) It's destroyed our society in every way. (laughs) Yeah, in so many ways. It has not helped in these issues. So that is my own personal opinion after doing a fair amount of research so if you're thinking, if you're at the age with your kids where you're not sure whether to get them a smartphone or a phone or whatever, I will, I, I'm going to Don't back, do it. Don't <laughs> get them a smartphone. Cell phone yes. is way safer and way better for them. There are a lot of great options out there. Mm-hmm. Yes, they will stand out, but it depends. It, what are you wanting to protect your kid from? That's a, a good question. We should always be asking, and we'll ask several mm-hmm. times today. Multitasking is not what you think it is. Natural is better than artificial across the board. This is scientists um, coming up with this stuff. Uh, what you give your attention to, your brain is convinced that that is the most important thing in the world at that moment. 
Mm. Think about that for a second. Mm -hmm. So whatever you're thinking about right now, your brain is saying, this is the most important thing in the world Mm. in that split second. Think about how many times you get distracted in a day and what that message tells your kids when we are constantly distracted from giving them attention. This uh, second to last one is distraction is normal. And I want to sit there for a minute. But lastly, it says uh, focusing has always been hard. And uh, I want to step back and say distraction is normal. Uh, It is part of who we are as human beings. We're naturally meant to be distracted. And that's actually a, a healthy thing that God has put within us. We can be focused in on the wrong thing. And God may put a distraction within us to be distracted, to be pointed back this way. So distraction Mm. isn't always supposed to be a bad thing. We can become distracted towards the right thing. So in that sense, when distraction is normal or normalized, and we realize that is, are we being distracted towards the right thing? It just depends on how you define distraction. Today, we're going to focus kind of on the bad stuff. Like what are the bad things that uh, we get distracted with? And when I taught the class, I... I had uh, everybody pull out a piece of paper and a pen, and I, I told them to draw two, two lines on their piece of paper. And I wanted them first to, to draw, um, like, checkpoints in their life and say, all right, put, at this age, you hope to do this or that. Um, and by the end of your life, you hope to accomplish this. And put little markers. You can put age guesstimates or life guesstimates and when those things you hope will happen. And then draw the other line of what actually happened. So of your hopes and dreams that you had when you were like eight years old, between then and being 15, did your lifeline, as I called it, change? Did you meet your expectations? Did you end up being, you know, that astronaut you wanted to be? Are you still striving for that? Have, have you become distracted from it? Or have you created better goals. Maybe you achieved it and you're actually further along than you thought you would. Um, mm-hmm. And so I had everybody draw arrows in either direction based off where they actually were at in life and to expect those same types of things to happen for the rest of their lives. We're constantly going to be distracted or constantly be changed from our, our plan or what we hope or expect life to be. Mm-hmm. So that was just kind of like uh, let's let's soar 30,000 feet mm-hmm. above in the air and really look realistically at our life and get some concrete stuff. So that's where I, I kind of did like an exercise with the students, and I think it was a little bit helpful. It sounds really helpful. Yeah. I think we all do better when we can see things instead of it just being an out there yeah. thought. Yeah, and I, I got that idea from Mary Flo, and she had, when talking about the birds and the bees, and you're thinking about teaching your kid about some hard topics mm-hmm. and coming out about it through the back door thinking, oh, let's not talk about this issue right here, but let's talk about who do you want to be? Where do you want to mm-hmm. be? And how if you pursue X, Y, Z, that can actually take you off the plan you want. You know, talking about sex, drugs, rock and roll type, mm-hmm. type stuff that takes you away from the plan that, you know, you can't live that lifestyle and also, you know, attend Harvard, if that's a goal for your kid. Right. And uh, you can't always see that when you're standing in today. Like, you just want today to be yeah. gratified by what you want. Exactly. So, I have a question for you. Yeah. And if it's irrelevant, you can move on. Um, so, you were saying that we are meant, we were made, or like, maybe not made, but 
being distracted is normal. Yeah. And it's human and that's okay. So my thought when you were thinking about that is like, what is the difference between like a great distraction? We're taking the word distraction and saying like something good. Yeah. Um, and it being an obsession. Like, how do we think differently about those things? If this is not making sense, you can tell me. But I was thinking like, distraction can go, the gamut of what a distraction is is so big and maybe we're getting there. But, um, you know, like I can be distracted by um, a video game or a love interest, blah, 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 or exercise. You know, like those are mm-hmm. really different things. And sometimes that distraction actually becomes an obsession, which yeah. then becomes something unhealthy. Like yeah. how do we, th- how do we hold those together? Does that make sense of yeah. like, how do we hold a good, healthy distraction? And when do we know how it's then turning into an obsession? Like, yeah, that's that a great, sense? yeah, that's a great question. A very simple way to answer that is where is this distraction leading you? Mm-hmm. Is this leading you to life? Um, mm-hmm. a, is it leading you to closer relationship with Jesus? Mm-hmm. Is this leading you to idolize, you know, video games? Or is this leading you to idolize a girl or a guy or whoever? Or um, even exercise. I you know, see what you're like saying. Where your heart is with it and where is it taking you? Gotcha. I think that's a really basic way to answer that and really think about that. No, that's really helpful. But there, I mean, when you're thinking about this whole process is, you know, Something will lead us to become distracted, Mm -hmm. always. The second part of that is where is this distraction taking us? Mm -hmm. So once you've kind of pinpointed what's distracting you from what whatever you were doing, whatever was before that, you've you've become distracted in something. You've become immersed in whatever, and your brain is hyper focused on it. You can kind of pause and step back and think like, "Whoa, is this?" Is this taking me in the right direction? Mm-hmm. And that even that pause to even think about it is another distraction. Mm-hmm. And it's allowing you to, that's, that's that normal distraction process. It's just how our brains are wired. So you, you're, you're pausing and you're processing. Hopefully, you know, you pray, like, mm-hmm. is this too consuming for me? I've always said my running um, in my life as a runner, it is both taking me away from Jesus and is taking me to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of it has to do with where your heart is. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jesus talks about that a ton, where your heart is with it, how much control it has over your life. Do you dictate that thing or does that thing dictate you? Mm-hmm. That can kind of be how you navigate how much control that thing has. Where is it taking you? That's really helpful. Yeah. I, I, hadn't, I didn't think about it in the language of like idolatry, of like yeah. anything can fall under that. Yeah. Good or bad. <laughs> yeah. So that's helpful. Thanks. Yeah. That's actually where this part of scripture was, was, you know, somewhat of the inspiration for this is the, the people of Jesus or the, the people of God in the Old Testament. And uh, when Moses went up to get kind of, you know, in Mount Sinai and get the covenant and get the Ten Commandments, all that type of stuff, the people were left waiting. Mm. And when you're left waiting for a long period of time at the bottom of a mountain, <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, in a desert. <laughs> in a desert. What, what's naturally going to happen? You're going to get real grumbly. And you're going to get grumbly <laughs> and bored. and you're Lose look, your focus. You're, you're going to lose <laughs> your focus. Um, yeah. And what happened? They totally lost their focus and, and lost their minds yeah. and created an idol. <laughs> yes, exactly. 
that that is like, such a good prototype for exactly what you're talking exactly. about. Exactly. <laughs> so that's where that kind of all started. Mm. Where I felt like this is not just truth. This is biblical truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is something you know the Lord is trying to teach us. Watch out for what you're being distracted by. Mm. And I think that's just a key word that you should be thinking when you think with the word distraction in your mind, and then you read Scripture. You'll see it's all over the place, mm-hmm. um, Old and New Testament, and we'll b- we'll work in both here today. we've kind of got the the overview of what all this is about and talking about distraction leads us to death and there are a lot of different things particularly boredom is one of the the key things that lead us to distraction it causes us to find some sort of distraction to take us away from being bored Uh, there are actually three other things that are common and the most frequent things and these really stand out amongst amongst like the adolescent age what causes a teenager to become distracted number number one is boredom number two is ignorance number three are choices and number four is anxiety all four of these things are leading factors that lead us to become distracted from our plan or distracted from our our path um, if we want to use that word continually and boredom is when we're bored we distract ourselves from that boredom because nobody likes the feeling of boredom it's it's just, it's not like bad. It's just, I don't know. It's boring. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of self-explanatory. <laughs> it's just like, uh, it's blah. Uh, yeah. there's not even a word for it. It's just, uh. <laughs> it's, number two is ignorance. Ignorance is the leading cause of making poor choices. Mm-hmm. This you could spend all day and just find several different teenagers and say, <laughs> hey, wh- what choice have you made today based off of not knowing anything? That's how teenagers function. And we've actually done episodes on, Teenage brains work in a high-risk world. Mm-hmm. They're willing to make any choice without doing, doing any of the research. They just right. don't have a fully developed brain yet. Right. Uh, that's just how they're wired. So they really sit in that ignorant, uh, and I don't mean that in a bad way. They just, they just don't have enough information. Um, nor and they're not concerned about it. Yeah, they're not seeking <laughs> it out. Right. Number three are choices. We have too many options or access to too much stuff, which leads to cho- choice paralysis. Ugh. Or increased Inter- odds of making a poor choice. Netflix. Let's Netflix. Just <laughs> right there. Yeah. Um, it's just endless. Like, this is where we really differ from most of the world and most of history. Yeah. We have more choices in front of us than any other um, part of humanity in any other time. Mm-hmm. I, may, I may be making that up, but I'm going to guess that that's true. I don't see how you could be. That's got to be true. And at at least in America. So our non-U.S. listeners, which there's maybe four of you, um, <laughs> which is really cool. That it's may awesome. not be true for you, but it's definitely true I'll for us. I'll say for in history. I would yeah. definitely say for in history, we, <laughs> we have the most choices. Yeah, so we uh, can, totally. We can, we can yeah. be sure of that. Yeah. Um, and number four, which is a huge topic, everybody, it's like a big buzzword, is anxiety. Stress is a stressor, mm-hmm. and under stress, we are not functioning in our right mind. Preach. We are, yes. <laughs> we are almost a completely different human mm. uh, when we're stressed out. 
And I think we did an episode on that as well. I think we did, and I th- I can't remember if we talked about it there, but that's making me think of. Um, I, I know we've referenced the Enneagram before on here, but how in your personality you actually will function in a different number. Again, if I'm speaking a language that you don't know to the, to the listeners, if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's basically the, the concept of your personality is kind of wrapped up in, in a few markers, but under stress, you actually function like a completely different person. So for me, I'm maybe the most non-confrontational person in the world. But if I get backed into a corner and I'm really in a... I, I see this more in marriage of like, Kent's a safe space. I can be more honest with him. When we're in, a, a disag- in an argument, I am very direct. Yeah. <laughs> I'm never like that with anyone because I'm mad and stressed. And so it's like... I'm a completely different person. Yeah. And so I can see how it's like your brain switches in that way of yeah. you're functioning like someone else. Yeah. Basically. So uh, long story short, you shouldn't trust yourself or other people when they're stressed out. Kind of mm-hmm. kind of trust them, but understand that they are working in a different reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, that they are they are not the person they're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And an and an anxiety will distract us from our true humanity. Um, which will lead us to spiritual death. Mm-hmm. When we are not acting as the humans that God created us to be, we have been removed from our relationship with God. And, you know, there's uh, the part of Scripture and part of the gospel is like Jesus is restoring that. Mm-hmm. That's why he says, come to me for those who seek comfort. Um, they are seeking a calmness of an anxiety so that when you're calm— you're actually more realistically who you are. Mm. Um, you're you're more of your true human self. You're more of the image bearer of God when you're in the comfort of, of God's arm and wing. Mm. So sit and think about that. Mm-hmm. Don't really trust yourself when you're stressed out. Um, you're not. I, I mean, definitely don't. I mean, <laughs> under normal circumstances, <laughs> I wouldn't eat a sleeve of Oreos. <laughs> <laughs> Under stressful circumstances, I would. It seems like a great idea. And then I pay for it later. <laughs> so um, we're going to move through all four of these uh, on a greater depth, and we're going to ask two questions when we get to the end of each section. One, how can we prevent this if mm. we can prevent it, like mm. this issue? Um, number two is how can we prepare ourselves and our teenagers to navigate it whenever we become distracted? Distraction is normal. We've already stated that. Uh, we need to not always just keep our kids sheltered, uh, but help them prepare themselves to get themselves out of issues when they find themselves in it. So how can we prepare them for those situations? So part of the first step of that is understanding what distracts us. And it's these four things, so we're going to move through them. We're going to go backwards. So we're going to go through anxiety first. Anxiety leads to distraction. What do we do when we are stressed out or anxious? What do you think, Susan? Just What do I do when I'm anxious? Uh, or you could in say general? you in general. What do people tend to do? Gosh, it's very hard for me to side answer effects. as an <laughs> anxious person. I feel like as an anxious person, I would say I feel like 
I become super hyper focused on something which shuts down all other functions. (laughs) So like mentally, it's like if I'm anxious about something, it is on a hamster wheel and that's all I'm doing. I'm not focusing on my children. I'm not focusing on a task I need to do. It is, it has shut down all of life. Um, Normal people, I would say anxiety uh, could do things like you just said. I'm anxious. I'm going to stress eat. I'm anxious. I'm going to stress exercise. I'm going to over talk with a friend. I'm going to overshare. Like, I feel Mm -hmm. like you overdo anything that would be okay. Normally you're going to overdo it, overeat, over exercise, over talk, overstep your bounds. Like you're the same thing we said. You're not, you're not acting in a normal scenario way. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. So you're spot on. I think (laughs) anybody can put like, what do you, what, what do you, you can ask as a listener, what, do you personally do when you're anxious or stressed out? Um, really think about that. Um, the research tells us uh, these things. We lie. Mm. We improvise a lot. You said it's like I will just all of a sudden just let out a ton of information that I didn't plan on letting out. Um, we panic. We become forgetful. We avoid. We cope and we change. We become a different person. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about that. So... Before we jump into scripture and what scripture can teach us about this, how, practically speaking, what are some ways you kind of avoid anxiety Mm. or prevent it? Actually, (laughs) something you said to me, and I don't think it was in this podcast, I think you and I were just talking about it, that I've tried to practice is, I remember one time you said, if your mind is anxious, get your body moving your body's anxious like I'll have like anxious stomach like I'm really scared about this and my stomach will be in knots like get your mind involved in something so I've actually taken that to heart of like okay if I am on the hamster wheel of my mind is going crazy I need to go for a walk like I need to do something different I think for me it's a ton of (laughs) self-talk it is a lot of going back to scripture and remembering like who whose am I and who has got this and who holds the keys to like what makes or breaks me and so I have to come back and center myself to reality because anybody who struggles with anxiety is really good at functioning in the um in a world that doesn't exist and so I think coming back to reality and laying out things that are logical because an anxious brain also doesn't function in logic that's been really helpful for me to talk to myself and say like, this isn't true. This isn't real. Like what is real right now? What do I know to be true? And so I have to self-talk to myself a lot of that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think, um, I'm a, we've talked about this. I'm a pretty low anxious guy. That Uh, is kind. You are a super non-anxious guy. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I don't think I've ever seen you be anxious. (laughs) uh, I will say two things about that. One, I think it is just a gift from the Lord um, to be a calming person. Um, It's nothing I've worked towards. It's not like something I've practiced and I've achieved this thing. Mm -hmm. I truly think it's a gift. On the other side of things, I'm a sinful human being and that can work against me. Mm -hmm. I cannot be anxious when we're supposed to be anxious. (laughs) John, you should be freaking out right now. Oh, I should? Yeah, your leg's broken. <laughs> uh, oh, okay. Got it. Yeah. So the, there is a sinful part of that because I'm yeah. a sinful, sinful person. But some of that is a gift for me. So like, an, like anxious moments, it's more B 
become like I've watched more anxious people and it's more mm-hmm. like how have I walked with other anxious people when I just I just don't get it you know it's just right. like this whole level like why are you anxious right now right um what is happening and y- you may be that person for your kid um, mm-hmm. if your teenager is an anxious kid and you're just like I don't get it mm-hmm. it has taken me a lot of practice to really think like why does this make you stressed or why does this make you anxious and I'm literally learning how to be anxious from teenagers and I've learned a lot about anxiety and what it does through them I've also I have siblings and you know parents and my wife who you know anxiety is very real and very Mm -hmm. full uh, for them and so I've it's not just teenagers but it's just across the board and that's where I've kind of sat with it is just learning to ask questions and sometimes Mm -hmm. just asking like, why does this make you anxious is a calming mechanism. Um, Instead of doing self-talk for Susan and having somebody else Mm -hmm. saying like, well, why would that make you anxious? You're like, Oh, that doesn't make you anxious. Why not? Mm -hmm. And so this conversation that goes back and forth. Mm -hmm. So needless to say, that's just our own personal experience. Um, I do want to dive into scripture, which teaches us about this issue and some um, stories that we can find, but I picked out uh, where Peter denies Jesus he does it because he's completely stressed out. Mm-hmm. Um, and you think about the whole situation. So we're going we're gonna to jump into scripture here. And uh, you can find this in Luke 22. Um, and verses 54 through 62. So we'll, we'll navigate this and we'll kind of pick out uh, what, what was Peter doing and how did Jesus respond to it? Um, it says, Then they seized him and led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house. And Peter was followed at a distance. And when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. Then a servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the light and looking closely at him, said, This man also was with him. But he denied it, saying, Woman, I do not know him. And a little later, someone else saw him and said, You also are one of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. And after an interval of about an hour, still another Another insisted, saying, Certainly this man also was with him, for he too is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you're talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter, and Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. So, why was Peter stressed in this moment? He was afraid. Yeah. He was totally afraid. Um, he was afraid uh, for Jesus, but he was also f- afraid for himself. Mm-hmm. He was afraid that he was also <laughs> he was about to get captured <laughs> and be taken to his crucifixion and be, be murdered. Um, and so he stood from mm-hmm. afar. He, he was acting completely not like himself. Mm-hmm. Peter was Jesus's right-hand man. Mm-hmm. Um, in this instance, he followed at a distance. He was, he was very far away, stayed in the shadows, and multiple times he denied who he was and he denied who Jesus was mm. because he was stressed out. Mm. We all would be in that situation. Yes. And mm. he was forgetful. He panicked. Uh, he became distracted uh, from who he was supposed to be. He was a disciple of Jesus. And in that moment, because he was fearful and he was anxious for his own life, 
he was not acting as a disciple of Jesus. Mm-hmm. He had forgotten what Jesus had told him to the point where he said, you're going to deny me three times. And he didn't even remember that in the moment that it was happening. And when you read scripture, it's almost like immediately after, you know, you're going to deni- right. deny me three times. And then immediately after he denies him three times, <laughs> just as Jesus, ta- he's like, it's like, how could you forget so quickly? <laughs> right. He was stressed out. Yes. Uh, we just go blank. Our brains are completely mm-hmm. different. So what's more important, always more important is what did Jesus do when Peter got distracted? This one's kind of tricky. What, what do you, like, what kind of sticks out? He said, and the rooster crowed, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. That's a little stressful. <laughs> Imagine that. No. <laughs> he didn't even say anything. That's so horrible. It, that gives me anxiety. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he, he just looked at him. Like, the rooster crowed, and he said, see, told you so. And that's all he needed. And mm. Peter just... He wept lost it. and he lost it and he realized how distracted he took that like mm-hmm. that was his moment where he realized I had been distracted even for a split second for an hour it says mm. um, I had become distracted at the most key moment of like Jesus's life mm-hmm. um, where I'm supposed to be the rock I'm supposed to be his disciple and I became distracted from that plan mm-hmm. and here I am denying when I'm supposed to be confessing who Jesus is mm-hmm. to, to the world. But it's remi- we always need to remember when we're reading scripture is thinking about Jesus' response. He looks at him, and Jesus continues on. Um, he, he remains steadfast. Jesus was unwavering and without mm-hmm. distraction. Um, Jesus said, this is going to happen, and then what happened? It happened. It happened. <laughs> you know, Jesus knew that he was going to have mm-hmm. to walk this road. He was going to have to walk his life to his death, his brutal death. Um, and the one thing we need to notice about Jesus in this moment is he never deviated from that plan. Mm-hmm. And that's what's so true and so good about the gospel is that we find in scriptures that we are ultimately always going to be distracted and fall into distraction. Mm-hmm. What you'll notice about who Jesus is, is he was given a plan by his father, said, can you be a a human among humans, and truly live out whom I've called humans to be. What's remarkable about Jesus, one of the many things, is he lived it out. He lived an undistracted human life. Mm. Um, And that's why we can learn from him in this moment, is that even though he was on his way to death, he remained steadfast. He did not become distracted from the plan Mm. at the, the worst moment of his life. So what does it take to remember and repent, a relationship with the Lord um, is key. A surrounding of the right people and a rootedness in God's word. So for Peter, he was snapped out of it because the Lord looked at him and the rooster crowed. He remembered what the Lord said. He had God's word on his heart in that moment. But he had also become distracted because he was surrounded by who? People, like non-God-fearing people. Um, he was world. surrounded by the wrong group. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I kind of pull those things out, and I think that's helpful to think about. When you're anxious, three good things that we can always lean on is our relationship with the Lord mm-hmm. is firm and true. Uh, being surrounded by the right people is always helpful. Yes. Um, and 
you need to be rooted in God's word. It's always going to be good for us mm-hmm. when we become distracted. It's going to be a truth speaker when we're lying to ourselves. Mm-hmm. And it's the biggest help to look back on his faithfulness. I feel like that scripture talks so much about that, about like looking, looking in the rearview mirror is so important in our own story, but just like the story of redemption of like over and over again, God showing his faithfulness in every single page of scripture yeah. over and over again. Like yeah. even in the story you just shared, it wasn't like, and then Jesus condemned him and made him feel shame and yeah, he just <laughs> sent him to hell. <laughs> and it was like, no, that wasn't what he we said. All, we all know that look from our parents. Oh goodness. They just, yes. all they needed to do was look at me. Yep. I knew Got that. it. <laughs> Message <Yes>. received. Okay. <laughs> check yes. and check. <laughs> all right. Number two, choices. Having too many, oh, I love this one. Having too many choi- too many options or access to too much stuff leads to choice paralysis or increased odds of making poor choices. That is so true. Or making no choice. I feel like that's normally me. So too many choices. I, I'm going to ask you, what, what do we do when our accessibility is too high? Me personally, or you want me to just speak on behalf of humanity? Um, you personally and humanity. What, okay. What do people in general do? I would say when I have too many choices, I browse the choices and then I fall back into old patterns. The main thing I am thinking of is television. Um, that's my that's my main example right now. But um, I will spend way an embarrassing amount of time looking for something and then decide, you know what, I'm going to watch The Office for the 300th time. I can't, I have no idea how many I've, times I've seen that entire season series all the way through um so i would say the paralysis sends me into an old pattern mm-hmm. and i feel like that could that could work for any any anything deeper than netflix obviously like there's other things that i would say um but i think probably which <laughs> i love that i think that that's not a bad choice but i would say i would think most of the time that sends you into a bad choice too many choices becomes paralysis which equals I don't want to have to commit to a choice, so I'm going to make a bad choice. Like, I don't want to commit to something that might take a little more thought, so I'm going to make a bad choice. Yeah. Whether that's a snack, a TV show, a friend, yeah, a life decision. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. What do you think? Well, one of my favorite um, commentaries over choice, like too many choices, is uh, Aziz Ansari's Modern <laughs> Romance. <laughs> I've actually recommended this book probably way too many times. Um, <laughs> he he did a bunch of studies with like Harvard and MIT to study like what's wrong with the dating world of <sighs> like the 21st century. And the biggest factor that they came down to is too many options. Mm. Um, when you can swipe away like a potential date, you just have like these moments of indecisiveness. Like mm. I can't decide because I have too many decisions to make. And the a better choice might be around the there corner. There could be a better one around the corner. Um, and he parallels that. He's like, we do the same thing when we're looking for a restaurant to eat. He's like, you'll search for like three hours and then you'll end up at Taco Bell. <laughs> which is always a bad choice. Yeah, which is always, it's <laughs> like, that was a thing. He's like, we, you wouldn't have made that bad choice. It's like any of the other restaurants you were researching were way better choices, better food, better quality, like better for you, mm-hmm. like all these things. And then you just end up with Taco Bell. Um, And so his whole thing was like, you know, people aren't um, getting married. People are having a hard time finding a a soulmate or whatever. He's not a Christian. So finding a soulmate that 
they want to stay with for a really long time and it's be the biggest leading causes because there's too many choices um, and there could always be a better one around the corner. So um, the research, uh, not Aziz's research, but the research of, of the stuff that I studied before this, it came down with these things is we become indecisive, we become paralyzed uh, where we just can't do anything. It's like you're, you have so many choices, you just kind of freak out. Um, we overthink, we uh. overanalyze, <laughs> and we become complacent. We almost find it better to do nothing than to do the one thing we were supposed to do or one of the three things we were supposed to do. So does your list, uh, like when you were naming all of those things, that was like, and those words you just said, then send me to anxiety. Yeah. Like truly. Yeah. I'm not trying to be funny. Totally. Like, um, are, are these things that compound on each other or they're just things you found that like attribute to distraction? and No, like, they're, they're all built um, together. So they're yeah. all overlapping. They all lead us to become distracted. And that's the whole point is when you're trying to prevent um, mm -hmm. You should become aware, which of these four things do yeah. I normally fall into? But as once you become distracted, you've become distracted. It doesn't matter what led you there. It's really thinking, yeah. like, how do I get back on path? Like, that's more important in that moment. Sometimes it, it, it's helpful to look back so mm -hmm. you can prevent mm -hmm. later on. Um, but in the end, all four of these things are going to overlap in so many categories. Uh, which I feel like we have a unique place because of how we grew up is I feel like we have a, a foot in both camps of mm -hmm. we grew up in an era where it's like we didn't really have that many choices, but then we were probably older teenagers or young adults during where like choices were becoming. And I'm like, I, yeah. I can, I can feel that difference of yeah. like growing up and you watched what was on TV. Yeah. I'm sorry. I keep going to TV. It's just the thing that's on my head. It's like, yeah. and if it wasn't something I wanted, I turned it off and did something else. It wasn't yeah. like, well, this stinks. Like, let me find something better to watch. It's like, this door is closed. There's no other choice. Let's do something else. Like, yeah. it's the decision's made for you, and so there's clarity. I feel like not only is it paralyzing, there's, like, not a clear end. Like, yeah. too many choices make it where, like, you can't make a decision. Yeah. And so, like, you can't move forward. Yeah. So just a really helpful tip is limit your children. Yes. Um, I'm seeing... You know, we, we live in a well-to-do area um, in St. Louis, Missouri, and most of these kids have just about access to anything that they want, just about anything, which is crazy. I grew up, like, you know, not dirt poor or anything. We definitely had less than a, a lot of these students do, and it was pre-internet or accessible internet. Yeah. You had to do the whole dial-up thing, and, <laughs> and it, you know, there was one computer in the house, yes. and was very exposed and yeah so like it was very limited and that I didn't have issues with making decisions because there wasn't much to choose from right these kids have tons of stuff to choose from and one of the most helpful things we we actually when we're making decisions in, in for youth ministry is we don't really want to give options to these kids it's it, it's almost easier for them to say that hey we got this one thing going on if you want to come great we're not going to offer we're not going to try to appease everybody. Right. Uh, we're going to try to find something that kind of fits in the middle, uh, and hopefully everybody can find some sort of connection. But if not, uh, we'll probably have something down the road for you. Because we know if we create too many options, that's stressful for us, <laughs> and it's stressful for the kids. They don't want to have to make that decision. And we also know that kids don't show up to things because they're sitting there waiting, wondering, maybe something else will show up. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to commit to this thing because 
something else might come up that doesn't even exist. It's uh, it's like right. it's crazy how <laughs> people make decisions based off of nothing um, because they're used to having options. And with today's technology, a new option can pop in front of you at any given moment. So this is a huge issue. Yeah. Yeah. So stressful. this is uh, a piece of scripture that we can look at uh, where somebody had choice uh, issues. Um, and this is with King Solomon. Uh, you can find this in First Kings. So we're taking it all the way back to the Old Testament and talk about a guy who had a lot of options in front of him. Uh, it says, thus King Solomon excelled all the kings of the earth in riches and in wisdom. So he, he basically had everything, like materially and mentally, like everything was in front of him. And the whole earth sought the presence of Solomon to hear his wisdom, which God had put into his mind. So it was a gift from God um, because he believed, you know, Solomon could handle it. Every one of them brought his present articles of silver and gold, garments, myrrh, spices, horses. I would love to receive a horse as a <laughs> gift. <laughs> and mules so much year by year. So he was constantly be given like gifts, just people just putting everything in front of him. He had 700 wives who were princesses and 300 concubines. And his wives turned away his heart. For when Solomon was old, his wives turned away his heart after other gods, and his heart was not wholly true to the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. So Solomon did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and did not wholly follow the Lord as David his father had done. Since this has been your practice, and you have not kept my covenant and my statutes that I have commanded you, I will surely tear the kingdom from you and will give it to your servant. Yet for the sake of David, your father, I will not do it in your days, but I will tear it out of the hand of your son. However, I will not tear away all the kingdom, but I will give one tribe to your son for the sake of David, my servant, and for the sake of Jerusalem that I have chosen. Mm. That's a lot of choices. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of things. In ancient Israel, you would think that they wouldn't have a lot of options. But here's an example who, you know, one of God's people that even God said, I'm going to give you this heart of wisdom and I'm going to give you several riches because I really want you to stand out as a kingdom. I want you to be a place where people come and really revere uh, this, you know, this kingdom because this is my kingdom. And for the world, money and wisdom goes a long way. And so I'm going to show that through you. And he ended up, you know, getting tons of wives and, you know, just talk, talk, talk about not being able to, to choose a wife, you know. It's, 700. Um, even back then, <laughs> they, he, he couldn't choose. So he's like, I'll take them all. <laughs> um, from that, uh, because he had so many people speaking into his lives, he began to hear different things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he began to hear the lie of choices and having too many options. And he, be, he started to overanalyze, he started to overthink. He started to think at, of himself in a different light. Mm. Um, he started to put himself in a place um, where God had once been in his life. He started to replace God with himself, mm. which is never a good thing. And you'll see that all over Scripture. So the question is, what did God do in response? So obviously, 
you know, this led to his downfall. Mm-hmm. Too many choices led to his downfall. So how did God respond? Well, I, I needed a little clarification because was he saying he was going to make life hard on his on Solomon's son? Yeah. It was like he was kind of compassionate to him, but he yeah. was saying, like, this is going to, like, end with God was saying, I'm going to be gracious to you, but to your son, there's going to be a consequence. And he gave him that one tribe. So it's like his his behavior had a consequence for him and his and his generations to come. Like yeah. that. That's a horrible consequence. I mean, it sounds like he was living in his own consequence. Like yeah. the Lord didn't even need to give him. I'm sure that was not fun yeah. living w- among all that. Mm-hmm. And then it's a generational punishment mm-hmm. from there on. Yeah. Which is really bad. Yeah. Especially so. when your dad is David and the Lord has been really kind to him. <laughs> yeah. When your dad is David. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's... The biggest word that really sa- he's extremely merciful. Yeah. Um, here is the God of the universe saying, I'm going to give you everything, Solomon. Mm-hmm. And he abuses it. And in this moment, God chooses to show mercy mm-hmm. uh, and not ending his reign right then and there. He says, I'm actually, it's, it's actually going to be more hurtful for you because your son um, which was a huge deal. Yeah, that's um, horrible. Way bigger deal than it is today for your son to be cut from, you know, the these ties or the ties to your inheritance. Especially um, because of you. You know, yeah. it's like one thing if your son makes a bad choice, yeah. and that's painful. So you have to itself. live with that the rest of your life, <laughs> yeah. knowing you can't pass this stuff down to your son. But he still even leaves this little moment. He's like, I'm going to give you one little tribe still. Mm-hmm. And that that's to fulfill God's promise mm-hmm. that he gave to David to fulfill his promise that he gave to Abraham. And he's like, I still need, I still need my plan to work. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to take all of this away. Um, but I am going to discipline you. And what we read in Proverbs is from discipline. We know that that is God's form of love towards his children. Mm-hmm. He had to discipline severely um, over this issue uh, but yet he was still merciful, and yet he still stayed with him. Um, so we have to ask ourselves, what does it take to not get distracted by our options? Is a relationship with the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, he remembered his relationship with the Lord, a surrounding of the right people. Mm-hmm. Who, who was Solomon, you know, convinced to, to be distracted by? The wives. They were like, hey. And idols. I mean, yeah. and other gods. Yeah, follow my God. Follow these things. And a rootedness in God's word. Mm-hmm. It's always going to land on those three things. Mm-hmm. Having those three things when you're in choice paralysis mm-hmm. is a huge thing. And it's going to be the thing that snaps you out of it mm-hmm. and reality hits you hard. Uh, because you, when you end up not making a choice, when you have all the choices in front of you or you make the wrong choice, reality sets in and you you totally miss out. Mm-hmm. You totally miss out. Like he didn't get to watch his son, you know, take all these same things. He didn't get to watch his son grow in wisdom and stature. He had to watch his son inherit something less than what he had. It's painful. Really painful. I think, and God knew that that was going to be really painful. (laughs) It was like merciful and a really bad punishment. Yeah. All right, two more. Ignorance. Ignorance is the leading cause of making poor choices. So these do build off one another. What do we do when we enter into the unknown? What do you think, Susan? Oh, God. I'm trying to think of like a real uh, I mean th- unknown things to me are kind of fun but 
of for course. the sake of this, I don't think that's a jersey. <laughs> they are fun, um, which is why teenagers choose them <laughs> to be ignorant. They're super fun because, like, you never know what's gonna happen. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I feel like what happens when we go into the unknown is we probably make bad choices. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Okay. Thank you. Um, what was the actual question? I think I veered is off. <laughs> you you basically just gave the headline is ignorance is the leading cause to making cho- poor choices. What oh. do we do when we enter into the unknown? Oh, that's how I'm overthinking. I am. Do you want me to just lay it out? I'm on point three because now I'm overthinking it. I was like, well, some people are different. Like, Kent would over-research it if it was unknown. For me, I'm just going gun blazing. Yeah. So you tell me what Um, you found. The (laughs) the research says we tend to guess a whole lot. Uh, You have to guess. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know. I'm just going to make a... We'll see how it goes. And and the people that do research, you're still making an educated guess. Sure. But at that point, when you do the research, you're not becoming... you're coming out of ignorance. And you're becoming, yeah, it's not you're unknown anymore. <laughs> right. Um, but even if you've never, you can study something and then you can do something. And, you know. I have a great example of that. Sure. <laughs> Bought us a chair for our house. Yeah. You know, we have a small budget because most chairs are like $300. You have a chair budget? No, 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 no. Oh. I just mean like your budget in life. Oh, you know, okay. like we don't have, we don't have a chair budget. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> Our chair budget this month was a little low. No. Um, no, our budget in general okay. is is low. Yeah. And so we needed a new chair. <laughs> so Kent researched and researched and researched all these chairs. He gave me lots of options. Uh-huh. And I finally picked this chair that was strangely affordable. It was like a cute chair, but it was like very reasonably priced. And we got it, and it was like... <laughs> This is the smallest chair I've ever seen. Yeah. Like something felt a little off. We both looked at it and we were like, does that feel smaller than the picture looked? Yeah. <laughs> it was like, it didn't matter that we had done, it was like best price, good reviews, looked great on the internet. In our room, it's like, that's a small chair. That's a weird chair. Yeah. But we kept it. <laughs> but yes, even in doing a lot of research, you're still flying blind if yeah. you haven't experienced it. Yeah, so you got to experience it. So we yes. tend to guess. Um, we are unintentional with our work. Um, mm. We become complacent, and we are extremely dependent on others, which sometimes is good, but a lot of the times we become dependent on the wrong things. Yeah, so if you're thinking about... I think about a mechanic. It's like mm. I'm completely dependent on a mechanic to make yes. the right decision because I know nothing about cars except how to put gas in it. <laughs> and outside of that, it's like, hey, I mean, I guess that's a good price or right. I guess that needs to be fixed. I'm completely dependent. And if I'm working with, you know, somebody who's not really working honestly, I still have to trust them. But I'm also, I could do some research ahead of time, but half the time it's like I just don't want to you know right. it's it's just entering into the unknown we become dependent and we're going to take this all the way back to the beginning and scripture it says he said to the woman so we're back in Genesis did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden and the woman said to the serpent we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden neither shall you touch it lest you die 
But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Hmm. Yeah. What happened there? What, from what part? Sorry. From, from Adam <laughs> and Eve. Just like what happened with Adam, I mean with Eve, just kind yeah. of blazing her own trail. Yeah, yeah. So like tell me about like the relationship of, of, of what happened exactly. Between Adam and Eve, between Eve and the serpent. Yeah, I mean, God was clear, and then Eve was deceived because the serpent was like, because the serpent makes a good point. It's kind of like, well, I feel like he kind of minimized the situation. It was like, oh, totally. Yeah, yeah, it's not that big a deal. And when you're reading it, one thing I was thinking is, on some level, thinking like it's just another tree. Like, yeah. can't I just eat that apple instead of that apple? Like, yeah. what's the big deal? Surely it's not that big of a deal, which I think is something I would say a lot in in situations that are yeah. unknown. Of like, yeah. this can't be that big of a deal. Yeah. Um, and then there were like <laughs> eternal ramifications of this bad decision. Yeah. You know, it's like she got bad information. It's the situation's minimized. She brings someone along with her down the path of destruction, and then she has to hide because yeah. of a really bad decision that then, like, light is shown on it of, like, no, this was a huge deal. You didn't listen, yeah. and now there's a consequence. Yeah. So. Yeah. She was all of a sudden given a choice. Yeah. And from that choice, uh, she was like, uh, what do I do? <laughs> She became anxious. Too many choices. Too many choices, which led to anxiety. So, like, these do stack on one another. Mm -hmm. um, when, And so, at that point, we're not even thinking about what God said. We're distracted on all these other things. Mm -hmm. And we're going to listen to the last thing that was in my brain. Or even, yes, and even distracted by a promise of something else. Yeah. You yeah. know, of, like, digging even deeper in that. It's like, not only did the serpent say, it's not a big deal. It's like, no, he's saying... God doesn't want you to eat like that because you're going to be like him and he's awesome. Yeah. And so like even distracted of like thoughts of grandeur, you know, it's yeah. like, I want to, yeah. I want to be awesome. Yeah. Um, and not understanding truth or wisdom. Yeah. From the Lord. Yeah. Has huge consequences yeah. for you. Yeah. There is so much in the first two pages of the Bible. Yeah. Uh, we can't hit all the issues here. But, <laughs> right. uh, our goal is for you to kind of get like that mm -hmm. because it started with Adam and Eve. This is a human condition. Mm -hmm. That's like what we're supposed to get from that is like, it is a human condition for us to follow the wrong people to become distracted mm -hmm. through moments of ignorance. And we need to do one of two things. So first we, we need to um, think how did God respond to this situation? And there's a little bit more of scripture that I'm going to read. And it says, and then the Lord made, uh, for Adam and for his wife, garments of skin, and he clothed them. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, and knowing good and evil. Now, lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life, and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man 
And at the east of the Garden of Eden, he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. So, he disciplined them. He, he didn't throw them out uh, without, you know, instruction. He said, you've lost something here, just like Solomon did later on. And you should see some parallels there. Mm-hmm. Um, he had everything in front of him, just like Adam and Eve did. Um, this is why scripture is just amazing. Um, the authors, mm-hmm. it's just incredible. The spirit just works in amazing ways. But everything in front of them, they become distracted, whether that was through choice paralysis or that was with Solomon or that was with ignorance through mm-hmm. Adam and Eve. And either way, they became distracted from God's plan for their lives, mm-hmm. and they fell into a trap, mm-hmm. and they, they were um, disciplined. On the other side of it, they were disciplined mm-hmm. for it. But he didn't just say, all right, you're dead, you're out of here. Mm-hmm. Um, he literally, he was, I put here, he was fatherly. He, he made mm-hmm. clothes for them. He cared for them. He put a blanket of, of skin around them so that they felt mm-hmm. clothed and comforted um, in a time where they should really be, you know, <laughs> you're like, ah, let's start over. He's <laughs> like, no, I'll, I'll, I'll work with this. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a long road, um, but I'll work with this. And it, it's going to be a long, painful road. You're going to have to work for this. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to even get to do it in this garden. You're going to have to do it out there where things are chaotic and crazy. Uh, we'll work our way to it. Um, you're not going to be able to see it. Just like Solomon wasn't able to see it, just like Moses wasn't able to see it, mm-hmm. um, we're going to have to keep working until Jesus arrives. Mm-hmm. So um, what does it take to not get distracted by our ignorance? Um, is a trust in our creator mm. um, to provide knowledge and a listening and obedience to God's word. We need to trust God's plan above any other el- anybody else's plan uh, that we write for ourselves. Somebody can tell us to do something, um, we can tell ourselves to do something, but if it's not in alignment with God's plan, that's the thing you need to keep in mind is, you know, is this a distraction or is this like a good distraction or a bad distraction? Where is this taking me? Mm-hmm. Trust in our creator and trust in his word. Um, mm-hmm. Listen to his, lo- his word louder than any other person's. So being rooted in scripture, mm-hmm. really, really important. Just to go off, I love the way you set this up, all those things and would you put in there too being surrounded by the right people? Like, absolutely. Those are your three things that I love yeah. that you've put on the end of that. I'm like, oh, those just really hold up for all these of like, and that's why we need people ahead of us in maturity yeah. wise yeah. to continue to grow us. That's why we're born um, to adults. Like, <laughs> parents give birth to children. Yes. Um, not children give birth to children. Yeah. Uh, that would be one chaotic world. <laughs> Um, it's chaotic enough. <laughs> uh, that doesn't even like. I don't even know how that would work. But <laughs> a movie idea. Hello. <laughs> Another movie I'm not watching. <laughs> well, you know, I feel like movies these days are just they're just recreating old movies. People are needing new, fresh ideas. I've got a million of them. That's one of them. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, that's so scary. <laughs> All right, babies having number babies. four. We're finally to boredom. When we are bored, we distract ourselves from boredom. So what do we do when we are bored? We, we tend to avoid. Uh, we're trying to avoid boredom. We complain a lot when we're bored. I just don't know what to do. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, we cope uh, with whatever. We cope with it um, with sometimes healthy things, but also unhealthy things. Uh, and we search. We're just mm-hmm. constantly like, how do I do alleviate this issue? Mm-hmm. How do I alleviate my boredom? Um, and so you're just constantly looking for things. That was me. Like my boredom, I was just looking for something. I was never still because I was like, I don't want to get bored. So I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna react to the first thing that my brain tells me to do, mm-hmm. um, which led to a, a lot of awesome adventures. I was gonna say sometimes it's a really fun thing. Oh, it's great. That's why like learning to be in boredom well is yes, a good thing. A good um, thing. It leans to creativity. So. This is what we can learn, um, what in scripture, uh, we're still in the old Testament. We're a little bit forward. I think we're in Genesis 11. Yes. I guess that right. Oh man. I guess somebody <laughs> paid off a little bit. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I say the earth gets bored, um, and in this part of scripture. And I think that's one of the things we're supposed to get from this. It not, it is one of the things we're supposed to get from this. It's not the only thing. Uh, it says, Genesis 11, now the whole earth had one language and the same words. Mm. Already pretty boring. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever been to like a a place where people are speaking tons of different languages? Yes. Super fun. It's cool. Yeah, it's really cool to like. Always get jealous. Yeah. So, but in this scenario, the whole earth had one language and they had the same words. Everybody knew how to speak with one another. No issues whatsoever. What's one of the leading causes to like fights in a home or in a married couple not understanding each other yeah different communication styles or different upbringings which has led to different communication styles so that's not an issue in this time um this day and age back in genesis 11 and as people migrated from the east they found a plain in the land of shinar and settled there and they said to one another come let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly and they had brick of stone and bitumen of for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. So they're trying to make a name for themselves. They're trying to elevate themselves higher. Um, And they did it. Um, And the Lord came down uh, to see the city and the tower with the the, the children of man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they have all one language, and this is w- only the beginning of what they will do, and nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and go down there and confuse their language, so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of over all the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore its name was called Babel or Babel, uh, because the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there, the Lord dispersed them over the faces of all the earth. This one's confusing. Mm -hmm. It's very confusing. Why is it confusing to you? Well, I wonder why it's so bad that everybody understood each other. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like a good thing. It sounds like a good thing, but it's it's confusing because it's like the language of their basically unstoppable it's kind of like hey they can understand each other they're going to be able to do anything they want to do yeah which i'm assuming was not desirable at the time i don't know yeah yeah yeah, it seems like it would be a good thing so i i i try to envision this like 
um, when I'm with my like childhood friends in the neighborhood, what are we going to do? What are we going to figure out? And then we come to a conclusion, like, let's play this or build this or whatever. And in those moments, it's really sweet. It's like, oh, we've, you know, built this ramp so that we can launch our bikes off of it. <laughs> we did it together. And it's really cool that we came up with this. And, and that, that's kind of like how we visualize it. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, of course, like they're working together peacefully. Why is this an issue? And uh, what we, we need to pick up is like from this is one, we should have read the first 10 chapters of the Bible <laughs> uh, already and know like this is a, you know, a collaboration of sinful human beings. These are mm-hmm. the, the products of, of Adam and Eve's sinful humanity. And these are sinful humans coming together to make a decision and to create something. Um, and when, when you create something high into the heavens, you're, you're trying to reach where the gods are or where, where, where Yahweh is in this situation, trying to elevate yourself to that level. Mm-hmm. That was not God's plan for humanity. Um, God's plan for humanity was to bear his image, not replace his image. Mm-hmm. And that's what they were trying to do by this. Far as the curse is found, uh, talks about this a lot. Is like this is what humanity was trying to do. Is they were trying to elevate themselves to the point to remove God from the picture, so that they could take that uh, position. And God's like, well, don't forget who created you. <laughs> nice try. And that, that's exactly <laughs> what he does. He's like, what are you doing? Um, don't forget that I'm in control here. And yeah. guess what? Boom! I'm going to scatter you and make sure that you don't get distracted like this again. So interesting. Um, what's really, what I love about this, and I didn't uh, bring this up in the class, is, you know, when the Holy Spirit comes upon the disciples, mm-hmm. what's what's the one thing that they note in, like, Acts 2? He confuses their language, but they, I mean, like, he gives them the tongues. He gives them the ability to, to understand, understand one another. Yes. So this is restored That's through so cool. God's image, through mm-hmm. Jesus and the Holy Spirit. So it's done not in human man's way, um, but it's done in God's way. He's like, I'm not saying no, I'm saying not yet. Mm-hmm. My way, my way. Um, really important why we need, again, to be mm-hmm. rooted in scripture in this and see this through the big picture. Mm-hmm. A lot of people have used this to argue like, God's not a good person. Why would he do this? This is a good thing. Isn't this what we mm-hmm. want? That's what the world tries to promise. But what's what's going to eventually going to happen when they elevate themselves as sinful humans. And we've already read of murder and issues of the heart. As somebody's going to want to be the top human. Yes. Yeah. The recipe for disaster. Yeah. And then even just what you're reading about Solomon, even if that person succeeds, like that doesn't mean they'll sustain <laughs> yeah. Yeah. or have it actually achieved what they desired yeah. because they're yeah. not God. Power of the gospel. Yes. Jesus is the only one to do that, and which is why he allows for confused language to become coherent language. Mm-hmm. Powerful stuff. So cool. Yeah. We lack the ability to focus long enough on anything. Mm. So we're reliant on other things in order to overcome. Mm. We're completely reliant. Why is this true? Mm. And how do we overcome it? Mm. That's the next episode. I can't wait. Like yeah. I've tried to be actually be aware of how much I got distracted just while we were talking. When you start talking about kids in your neighborhood making bike things, I got into a real strange place in my mind. I was like, 
spiral. It was a weird spiral. It was awesome, but it was not what we were talking about. Just, if you want to know <laughs> anything about distraction, just get on YouTube. <laughs> or don't. <laughs> that was good, John. That was helpful for me. Yeah? Yeah, it was. Yeah, we're just mm -hmm. getting started. That's episode one. We're going to get into the science, um, which, you know, I put my glasses on uh, and my laptop. Sounds a little board. boring. It but seems boring. <laughs> I tried to pick all the good stuff. <laughs> Just out. kidding. I'll be, yeah. I'll be there for it. All right. Y'all rock. We're glad to be back. Uh, we will see. Well, we won't see you or hear you next time, but <laughs> you might hear us. All right. We'll see y'all later. Bye.